0: Hey, everybody, it's Nolan North, you know, Nathan Drake from Uncharted, and you're listening to the Geek Apocalypse podcast. everybody and welcome to a different Geek Apocalypse podcast with yours truly Mr Stephen Hesse. and as you can hear uh, there's no introduction which for some people would be relieved because I know some people skip the introduction uh, you have no charge this time round uh, <laughs> and the reason it's different uh, is because if, as you probably see in the title when you click on the episode and a huge thank you for doing so is this is sort of gonna be like a two-year reflection or um uh, I don't know re- resolution I, I have no idea uh, of of the fact that sort of since I've been back essentially doing uh, podcast episodes again which um kind of tells you I mean I've been doing them again for about a year but um the, the beginnings of when I got really really sick happened a couple of years ago um so People may be wondering if you've become, you know, new new listeners of the podcast. That there was a period of time of about eight months where there wasn't any episodes, and then when I came back, which was around about something like eighty two ish, I think, or something like that. Um, I did a, a podcast very similar to this where I spoke my mind. It was probably a lot going to be a lot less fluent and considerate uh this time around (laughs) it was very ranty um because you know i had to get some stuff off my chest and i wanted to get back involved in in doing these things so um it's partly that and also i've been inspired by obviously being someone that does a podcast every week i am obviously a huge fan of podcasts i've been listening to a huge amount of nerdist at the minute Mm um joe rogan uh i'm regular listeners to both of them, to them particular podcasts and i'm also a uh, wrestling observer because i actually li- listen to wrestling observer more than i actually watch wrestling which I, is ne- which i don't watch anymore bar in the odd match if i hear that it's good here that some uh, match is good because i used to be a huge wrestling fan so i love listening to them just dissect and ridicule how rubbish wrestling is so i highly recommend them um, But it mainly, uh people like Jim Cornette and Chael Sonnen. I like listening to fighting podcasts as well, where they talk about MMA and various other things. And occasionally, they will do episodes where where they'll where they'll just speak their mind about a particular subject. Jim Cornette does that all the time, you know, with politics and and the state of certain situations. So, uh, like on certain you know topics of conversation, where you'll just essentially, as I say, speak his mind on his own, just we ask the question and then go with it, so um, I really enjoy listening to them episodes which sounds weird, because obviously we do a podcast where um, where it is uh, guest orientated for the reason of it, it gives us the opportunity to talk about something maybe that we would never bring up, or something we can talk about in great detail, like I'm going to be doing one later today as I record this um, uh, with with Gary Pollard, uh, uh, w- w- who's been on before, who does mental health, which I actually write for, which um, a blog of mine is going to be released shortly called uh, "You're Offended Why Why Should We Care," which I will be tweeting about. And yeah, so so that's an that so that's an example of where that would be obviously sort of mental health heavy. But as if you if you're a regular listener to this uh, podcast, you will notice. That so we go off tangents quite regularly because that's what my brain's like, and that kind of will be explained in this episode. Because um, this thread, for those that have not, you know, listened to this uh, podcast before, is that I have a mental health issue and I openly talk about my bipolar disorder. Very, very you know, frequently, Um, and I often say to people when I do talk about it is that I I don't like talking about it a great deal in the sense of it doesn't define my entire life, but the thing that someone like me has to admit is that it is something that affects my life every day, and I have to do a lot, a lot of stuff every single day to make sure that it's manageable and doesn't wreck my life as much as it did two years ago, which is why... (laughs) I wanted to do this just to kind of reflect on that um to tell people how difficult bipolar disorder is the sort of misconceptions people have about it and also kind of the mistakes I made and mistakes people made around me um because it had a lot of repercussions uh, in uh, which I still you know feel to this day um and also just kind of the because if you listen to the last hosted we did because we are going to do another one soon with me and ricky i think it was the last one where we talked about dating and one of the things i never got the chance to talk about on that particular one was how people with bipolar disorder or any sort of mental health issue it's interesting in the sense of do you be honest about it from up front, up front? because people will then claim well of course because you're not being honest then if you're not upfront with that. But then, even someone like. If you're smart enough to be aware of your situation, which, you know, I, I guess I am, in the sense that if I was someone reading, say, a dating profile and written on it was someone who said they had a mental health issue, I obviously feel because of the fact I don't want to be discriminatory because it would mean they would be discriminatory to me, is that I would, you know, try to give someone a chance. But if people were being honest, myself included, it seems fair, unfortunately, to say that if you had a person you really, really liked and another person you really, really liked, say they were virtually the same person, even though that's not possible, but go with me on this, and one person had a mental health issue, one person didn't, you would prefer that the person didn't have a mental health issue. So you would most, you would prefer to go to some go out with someone and be around people who didn't have that issue. Um, that's unfortunately the biggest hurdle. People like people like me have to have to get through because I I I see it certain friends who really struggle to understand this concept, which is I I say to them, do. You, i am always aware of how much of an amazing you know interested funny person i would have to be to have someone to take you know take the whole package in terms of in terms of doing that that would be obviously really really <laughs> like how much of a, a, a really great um funny um caring person would i have to be to sublet the 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 really bad aspects of what I sometimes go through because the the thing that I'm aware of is you know when you first go out with somebody for example you um you end up um well I, what I should say before I go any further is so basically I'm going to be doing a podcast now which I've been doing for the last seven minutes uh, soloing uh, which is basically inspired by the podcast I mentioned earlier and sort of talking about stuff like I just um. Um, and hopefully it would help people, so just to let pe- that pe thats so that's why there's no introduction, and there's no guest and uh, this is just sort of a one off special um I, when I, when I say one off special, I just refer to the fact that I did one of these uh, a year and a half ago, so it's not really one off special, but you get my point um so yeah so so yeah, to go back in terms of dating so so I often say to my friends like how much of an amazing, great person would I have to be in order for people to, for someone to consider me as a potential partner with all the sort of bad stuff that, all the, 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 you know, the, the, when you say to someone, bipolar disorder, what their sort of judgment or reaction is to, to you admitting that to somebody, like, they, would they go, oh my god, no, I can't be with someone like that because I've heard they do this, 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 and this. So, because I'm always aware of that. If I ever get close to someone, then when you first go out with someone, you you only see them a, a few times. So you know maybe once or twice a week or something like that. If you're like sort of dating them, and then when you go out with them a bit, you'll you'll go out for, I don't know maybe go out for meals or have a meal have a meal in together or you know watch a film together or go to pictures. I don't know some whatever whatever the the case may be. With bipolar disorder, which I always. Tr- you know i have various techniques to get me in certain in 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 a good enough frame of mind to meet people like to give you an example you know i'm recording this on a tuesday and so yesterday i went out with my friends uh, which i do every week that is every that is guaranteed virtually guaranteed to be every week so i can train my mind through various techniques to be able to ha- be in the right mindset that i'm not you know, sort of in a situation where my mood's going to change all the time. Now, I may have a, a situation in the pub where my mood basically changes, and um, that's unfortunate. And hopefully, it doesn't last too long. And I can be, and the fortunate thing is, is when you've known some people for years, is that you can be quiet, uh, you know, as someone who's, who in general is, is a very, you know, talkative person. Is that when you know someone for a long period of time, you can have the the silences that are first regarded as awkward, because there's enough people around and there's enough. It, it's 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 not that they're going to get bored and you know leave you, is that you can actually, you know, just sit there and listen and you know take a break um, if you're tired and you don't need to worry about it. So, so that's the huge advantage of of for example when I see my friends from school who have known like twenty odd years that I don't need to be. Um, the life and soul of the party, which is the downside of when you're someone like me, to you know who's able to do podcasts like this, is that when you end up going to certain you know pe- events or parties or whatever, is that the, the 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 stereotype is that you you are like that all the time, which actually is one of the biggest misconceptions about me, um, which is something obviously a partner would witness. But so so to go back to that is that. So you see them a, a few times a week, so I can, for the most part, control it to the point of um, it, that I'm able to go and have a, a good enough frame of mind that it can it cannot affect me for a few hours. Now I may, it may affect me when I get home or whatever because you know in some cases it can be unpredictable. Um, which is a, there was a good example of a couple of weeks ago, which I will talk about in a minute, um, and. And yeah, so, thing to deal with, um, knowing that, because, so you try and get sort of close to somebody, which is obviously what I am trying to do. And then you end up um, thinking, if you end up living with somebody, that is when they're going to see you um, being mood orientated um, quite a lot of the time um and that's something that you think are they going to be able to to deal with that and to understand that it's just part of the process um that obviously is a concern and i actually said to um one of my friends girlfriends not too long ago i actually had a conversation about mental health with her and it was really nice and one of the things that was brought up was and i admitted this to someone for the first time in a while is that you know it is something in relation to having offspring. Is that something I'm going to actually want to do? Um, because uh, the reason that's something I'm going to have to treat seriously and decide with the benefit of the child is that, uh, particularly if it's a boy, is that um, it can lead to you, you know it is it has genetic aspects to it. Um, so would I be willing to take that risk? Knowing that there's a there's a there's a more likelihood chance that that person will have mental health issues in their lifetime, um, that's obviously a big big decision. So that leads me to talk like, which is why I want to do like a solo podcast like this to talk about the sort of the symptoms that a person like me goes through, and as I say, the misconceptions a lot of people have because, you know. I get very, very frustrated, I guess that this, my rant is about to start, I get very, very frustrated when I see, you know, if you go on, like, YouTube videos and and, and watch, like, trials of, like, famous trials of maybe, you know, serial killers, or or, or something, or murderers, or something, and you see the trial um, where they talk about the, the, are they, you know, fit enough to stand trial? Obviously, you know, I'm not a doctor, so, you know, don't sort of claim, I'm not claiming to be one, but, um you don't have to be a doctor to kind of make the point of which and not enough people seem to sit down and and reflect on is that when they see how they fit to stand trial and then you know often often it is something like bipolar disorder they claim to have or and or uh, which you know they then claim afterwards the reason that 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 is asked in, in a court is that they then say that's the reason they did what they did now I have a huge problem with that because there are certain disorders before I go any further where um you know you, there are there is the actual argument that it does lead you to be out of control to the point of that you're not actually you know responsible for your actions you know like you know like dementia is is, is a common example um you know where, where that has been argued there was a famous case with a guy uh, an ex wrestler uh, where he claimed dementia and actually got off his trail because um, he's been on and off on trial for years and years and years for killing his girlfriend, and and he claimed dementia the last time the trial went with a member of her family were trying to basically take him to trial, and he claimed that he had dementia and uh, claimed supposedly had enough of the symptoms. Yet there were people who were saying he was going to conventions and he last wrestled like about you know eight months ago even though he's in his like 70s or something which i thought was an interesting read but but yeah so there are so there are you know as i say i'm not a doctor so i can't claim you know to know anything enough about that case other than what i've read and all that kind of thing but my point is there are certain there are certain you know disorders where it can maybe be proved that you know you're not in control of your own mind essentially so, but the the problem I have with bipolar, like in in terms of what I have, and that I and depression gets this a lot. Um, uh, when you you know, for example, with the 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 guy with the the plane, where you know, with what, what, what supposedly nose dive the plane into the ocean, and. They turn around and a lot of the... Uh, I, I can't speak for the rest of the world, but in the UK, all the the papers... We talked about this on Mentally Sound, which is a show we do, where, where where you get... A lot of the headlines are about that they've got a mental health issues. It was like they didn't deal with their depression and that's what led to them, or, or all that kind of thing. Yet, if you read anything about that particular situation, that there was one of them where supposedly that... The guy had uh, been refused sort of time off, so if he did have some sort of mental health issue and he was aware of it and he asked to not be um, to to be given some you know I guess a sabbatical because he was not feeling well enough, then that's not he he's done the most responsible thing he can. Um, you can argue then. Oh, so what? So you know, is he is it fair? Is it right? And I'm not you know condoning what he did, but is it right to? it's a reasonable question to ask is it right to say that that person has not been responsible for what their illness is or do they do everything they can and is it the responsibility of the people he works for to treat mental health more seriously And in, and by definition everybody treats mental health more seriously so it never gets to that point but that's not necessarily the the point i was i was starting with the point i get frustrated with and bipolar dis i can only speak for bipolar disorder i guess having got it is that there must be something else that leads people to do stuff like you know be a a, a mass murderer uh, there must be something more because there are you know tens and tens of thousands of people in the world who have bipolar disorder it imply the, the way that the, the media uh, in particular with 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 that type of disorder imply that it's like is that if someone has that it's almost like you read that someone has it and go that must mean that they're going to end up like them that it's just a matter of time and i i can categorically say i mean obviously you know if i'm you know self out of self defense or something like that and um, you know got you know i don't want this to happen but my point is i i know willingly that i will not um, go out and do that because i i i if you know it's going to sound silly and simplistic to say this but i've had good parents and you know that's something i don't think enough people understand the logistics of what goes into somebody having a disorder like mine because the first thing people want to do is blame the person that's going through it, i.e. because if you do that, you can do what a lot of human beings are doing now, which worries me, is that instead of being, you know, like the previous generations where they all looked after each other and, you know, they, you know, they went through world wars and, and, you know, we wouldn't be here with our freedom without, without the, that generation. And yet we're now becoming a generation of people where we are all about just looking after ourselves and not looking after the sort of greater good and the society around them. This idea of social responsibility which is being completely ignored Um, and it doesn't mean that the person uh, who has a disorder or illness shouldn't be responsible for what they're going through. Of course they should but people use that as a weapon to say that that means I don't have to give a shit about anybody else and that's wrong on so many levels Um, and so The point I'm making is that I'm not someone that goes out killing someone. There's hundreds of thousands of other people with bipolar disorder that don't. So even if the person had bipolar disorder, there is no evidence to indicate that it's the bipolar disorder that makes them decide to kill somebody. And if you ever read any examples of that, where someone has claimed that they've had uh, uh, not just bipolar disorder, but any type of disorder... If you read, you know, I, I've read so much about this particular thing because I'm fascinated on the level of what makes someone do that. Because if they do have bipolar disorder, that's something they share. So you know, you you do think of the stereotype of there's people who think this. So you know, am I am I just being naive or uh, or incompetent or whatever the right word is? So you read these things and you find that then and then once I I learned over time the key point in all this which is there are so many factors involved in someone getting a disorder that it's often social, it's often environmental, and it's often biological in the sense of it's stuff you're born with, whether it be genetics or whatever. And usually a lot of the stuff that um, is developed early in your brain happens really, really early. Like the, the latest evidence is up to like three years old. So the idea of a person who ends up with a disorder being their fault of something that they're not even aware they're you know it's being developed when they're not aware that they're even that they that they even exist. That's like saying to somebody that's like um, going to a embryo and saying and screaming at the embryo saying like how dare you um, morph into something that's gonna have a problem later in life. You know you would never ever do that. Yeah, it's completely acceptable. When someone reaches, you know, let's say their twenties, is that when they, and they start having as, realizing aspects of the disorder that it's acceptable to say that they're no longer worthwhile and are worth not being around, etc., etc., etc. That to me is just very, very irresponsible on so many levels, and the 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 ramifications of that for people who are in my situation and have my problem. Is that it leads them to be quiet? It leads them to not feel comfortable talking about what they're going through, and they end up becoming, you know. So in a sense, it can lead to more problems in the sense of, you know. And then there'll people be saying, "Well, it's their fault. They should go out and try and live their lives and be not, be more sociable and try and meet people." But why would somebody put all their effort in and go back into into the very society that is rejecting them? And that, obviously, you know, I'll talk into more a little bit more detail about what I went through, but that is, in a nutshell, what I find laughable about the way people behave in regards to someone having a problem, especially as as serious as mine got, is that it always comes down to two things is that people ask you and say you should be doing. One is, you should be trying harder, which I am, I guess, furious at on so many levels. Um... Because that's usually just looking at one person example. Because there may be somebody who doesn't try and and bitches and moans about their situation, which you know sometimes people can do. But but then a part of me goes, well, they're in that situation; they 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 should be allowed to, you know, to piss and moan about how difficult their life is. But if they're not actively, you know, trying to do something about it, then I understand that position. But in terms of my position, and I guess you can only you know take my word for it. I did everything I possibly could to get the treatment I needed at the time I needed it. Everything. And it turns out I was given the wrong medication, the wrong treatment, and it almost felt like it didn't matter what I did, that it still ended up... I look back at the situation I ended up being in, and I honestly think to myself, like, what could I have done differently? Um, I, which i I guess I'll, I'll talk in the detail a little bit, but, but yeah, so the, the the what, so the couple of things is, it's trying harder, and also it's this the second most thing that I I come across is people decide to compare themselves to you because that because then if they see the whole try harder, which the what I was leading to, and wanting to, um to blame the person that's going through it we're reaching a society now that puts stuff in boxes so then that's the easiest way of understanding which is why one of the phrases i came up with through doing a lot of therapy over the years is i really wish people would have the sentence of it is if more people spent their time thinking about how somebody goes through stuff rather than why we'd be in a much better position because how leads to understanding somebody why leads eventually to blaming the person so, why is a wrong question? Um, which sounds, for some people, I imagine a lot of people say why to situations. And I, I've become quite aware of that once I, I made that sort of phrase. Is that you say a lot, if you say, like, oh, I'm thinking about going out tonight, why? That's, to me, that's just a, a very dismissive, almost irrelevant question. And also, like, a, who cares? Like, why? Because, why almost is this like I want to, it's almost like they're saying I want a reason why you're going out, so then I'm okay with it. And it's just like, well, there's there's there are certain there are certain decisions certain people make where it's got nothing really to do with you. So, the idea of trying to understand it from a why situation, um there's a lot of times you don't need to ask that. Now, obviously, how doesn't how doesn't really apply in that example, but my point is if you ask yourself how. How someone, what maybe maybe the way you could phrase it is how someone wants to, do, you know, how someone's able to do that, and how someone wants, how someone might want to do that. Let let let's say, um, because then that might lead you to understand why a person is deciding to, um, aware that they're doing it but then if you are someone like me who is brutally honest and sort of tr- uh, and sort of tries to tell certain people that you're aware that they do that they have the attitude of you know screw you i i you know who are you to say that um and you know end up you know having a very defensive attitude about it because you know in general these are people who do not spend their time thinking about their actions and like I say, we're unfortunately, I think, heading into a generation where they have no idea what their consequences are. Like I heard a, 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 a story um, a couple of weeks ago about a person who was suffering. I think it might have been bipolar disorder, but something like that. And I think it was. And it, he was a late teenager, like I think he was nineteen or something. And he he asked a friend for help and his friend said you know oh you you are moaning and you're making my life miserable why don't you just quit why don't you just end it now and she was essentially goading him into into killing himself and as horrible as this story is to listen to this is absolutely true and this is sort of an example of what people are like in in terms of lack of understanding is it, so she kept doing that kind of like a a thing of being sort of um you know harsh to him and rude and 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 horrible and she was i guess she was kind of doing it as a kind of like sort of jokey thing of like i'm just you know maybe I, I don't know but it just it was it was it was not the right way to handle it let's say and unfortunately uh one one day the guy just said right i'm gonna do it today and she's like yeah whatever who cares and he did um and so the current situation is that this person is being put on trial because they had got like basically ascertained all her facebook messages and you know so they they are arguing that essentially it was manslaughter in the sense of she was part she was partly responsible for him ending up you know wanting to do it stronger than he did before he talked to her you know And I, the reason that's such an interesting story is that I, I, I I can imagine there'll either be someone who listened to this or someone in the world who read that story, and will be thinking, "There's no way that that person should be responsible," because ultimately, that person who killed themselves is ultimately responsible for doing it. But yet, if you have a bully, you know, if somebody, if somebody was, um, you know, take mental health out of the equation, right? say uh you know and and, and i you know it, it, this this is difficult to say and possibly controversial but my point is valid in the what if somebody um was going through domestic abuse let's say so say a person they were they were in a relationship and uh you know say it was a it was a it was a lady and the person she was with was domestically abusing her now if she suddenly decided she had enough and felt the only way she can get out of it is to find the nearest bridge and jump off it. Now, everybody within their... Surely everybody with a domest, in a domestic abuse sense would go, well, it's that person's responsibility because he ruined her life and she jumped off that bridge because of the horrible life that that person was with. Now, of course you can make the argument of, you know, she should have you know, gain the courage to leave, but you know, anyone who knows anyone who suffers any domestic abuse and how difficult and how, you know, terrible that it makes the person feel. Surely my point is that there would be more people who would understand the responsibility of the person that abused her over her jump deciding that was the only solution. There would be a lot more sympathy and understanding in that situation, I would think. Yet in the situation with anything mental health related there is far more blame given to the person who is, because ha- it's happening in their mind, that they're not doing enough, that they're not getting the right help, and uh, it's their fault, and it's not my business. And um, there's, n- and also the, the the classic sentence I hear a lot, not just in my case, is "there's nothing I can do." Now that is a completely not true and as difficult as it is to deal with someone like me and i fully understand that and like i say i'm not a, nowhere near a, a, a perfect person but that is something i try and campaign to 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 say to how it affects me on a daily basis so um it is essentially a mood disorder um uh, where basically i have unnatural highs and unnatural lows and the ha and the highs are really important Uh, In the sense of, they're important in terms of getting a diagnosis for having bipolar disorder in the first place, because if you don't have them unnatural highs, it is it can lead to being diagnosed as having borderline personality disorder, where you obviously it's sort which which I think which I'm I think I'm right in saying. And not too long ago, they changed the name of that because um, people. Spend too much time on the on the personality aspect of it, which is why bipolar disorder used to be called manic depression, and they changed that because they realised that there was far too many people looking, thinking it the depress of the word depression, and thinking it it was more associated with that rather than the manic side, which is the hypermanic you know, overjoying, unbelievably joyful feeling you get through the through the opposite side of bipolar disorder. Um, so, like I say, it's really important because it's, that's really ultimately the difference between you being diagnosed as having bipolar disorder and borderline personality disorder. So, if anyone ever asks you about that, that's in a in a basic sense the 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 difference. Obviously, there might be different symptoms, symptoms and various other things. I'm purely talking about in terms of of you being diagnosed as having it. Because um, when I was in hospital, uh, I was told by the doctor while I was doing sort of a test uh, a sort of question and answer thing about bipolar disorder that the uh, the, the the in terms of answering it the only there was only three questions that changed the diagnosis from when they looked at the answers. There were three key questions that how you answered determined whether you had bipolar disorder or borderline personality disorder, which is why I've been through certain situations through the diagnose that being diagnosed, where there's been a number of different disorders that have been thrown at me. And, and usually people with bipolar disorder start with severe depression um, as a diagnosis, and then they get reaffirmed as having bipolar disorder later in life and um, because i should say which um is something i don't think enough people realize is that which is why i'm very very worried when i speak to my friends in america the there's people there's kids who are being diagnosed as having you know disorders as young as like i think something that's as ridiculous as like five which is awful in the sense of that it is. It is. It. It seems to me. Uh, um. You know. You don't, you don't need to take my word for it. There's enough examples of where you can read about this. Is that there's enough evidence and at least concern that a person's brain, in particular like to take a a, a male's brain, usually doesn't fully develop till their mid twenties. So that's why, especially over here, um, I I there's been a reluctance for for people to say up until that point that I had bipolar disorder, because you usually don't see the the symptoms fully developed until your brain fully develops, which makes sense. So the idea of... So think about the fact that if you're five years old, and if you're a boy in particular... And you've got another 20 years for your brain to develop. How can you possibly know that the, that the kid has bipolar disorder or it's just a kid that is struggling or a kid that hasn't developed something yet? Because it is possible, like I say with it being almost genetic, is that it is, you know, that there's nothing to say that your brain may, you know, fix What is essentially wrong when your brain first develops? You know, that's why you're never going to know for sure until your brain reaches its capacity for development. So the uh, so the idea of saying, "Oh, it looks bad from that early on. We're gonna we're gonna deal with it now," um, I think is really really dangerous. So um, that worries me in that aspect, but that's basically why um, people go through a a huge amount of time of struggling to get an accurate diagnosis. So usually if you read articles about, um, or case studies about people with bipolar disorder, and mine's exactly the same, is that I got diagnosed as having severe depression, which led to eventually being, um, I mean, it's its still sort of technically up in the air in the sense of the, even though, it's, you know, I've had enough doctors who say, yeah, it makes sense that you've got bipolar disorder, is that, um, I was explaining this to one of my um, American friends, is that... It is difficult to get a diagnosis in the the UK because only um, certain psychologists uh, can diagnose you as having that type of disorder. And unfortunately, we're in a situation where the NHS and... You know the medical profession in general over here is struggling because of lack of funding so you can't go to a therapist and a therapist say yeah you've got that and then that's sort of accepted across the board so you need to have somebody really high up to say he's got this and then every other doctor is prepared to go okay because they're more qualified than they are to diagnose you so it can lead to obviously like i say a lot of problems um And also, I got annoyed when I was in hospital because I had one doctor that said to me that, like, having a diagnosis necessarily doesn't matter because it leads to – because his reasoning was because it can lead to more stress and pressure for the patient. And I was just like – to me, that felt like a very naive statement because the way I look at it as – Having, because I guess it's it's on about labels. They're they're very reluctant to label an individual to say you've got this because of the the stereotypical nature some people are. But then, wouldn't it be easy? Wouldn't it be Bennett Bennett just more honest and and helpful? to, to know that you've got a problem than not being diagnosed and then because people can then just claim you're crazy or you're, you know, you you need to get over whatever it is it is because if you've not got a a diagnosis then, you know, people can say that. So I found that, I found that a very silly, um, stance to take really, especially someone in this position. But, um, so yeah, so to give a very brief outline of my history with bipolar disorder and to tell you more in detail and I'll tell that story about a more recent example. So, the very brief story for me is that um I've had issues with mental health that's affected my life, you know, it's coming up to 12, nearly 13 years. In that, my parents got divorced when I was um early teenager, and I'd always had wild mood swings as early as I can remember, and that was something I figured out when I was going to therapy sessions, which is why I am a very big advocate of therapy, not just for people with mental health, but just to go to, um, you basically unravel your brain from the stresses of life and to talk about things. Because a lot of stuff that you deal with is on a subconscious level, so it only comes out through sort of forcing yourself to address it. And so therapy is a really good way of finding something that you may not be aware that bothers you and getting it out in the open and dealing with whatever it is that's underlying. Because sometimes human beings, it's going to hurt, hurt people to hear this, uh, ladies and gentlemen, but sometimes human beings aren't aware of what they are going through or, or you don't know for certain what's wrong because we're not perfect people. So go to therapy if you've got a good one because I've had... People come to me and ask me about therapy and say, you know, Stephen, why should I go to therapy? And I had one particular person who said, uh, who went to a therapy session and came back and said, oh, I, I I went to the therapy session. I don't think it's for me because I went in and just everything uh, they just said everything I was doing was right. So you know, they basically just reaffirmed that there's nothing wrong with me. And I just was like, that's a. I told them that told told this person this, but they did. They still didn't really hear me. Probably. As I said, that is they're really that's that is a bad attitude and that's not what therapy is about. Because I try to explain I do not go to therapy to be proven right, I go to therapy to find to find what I'm doing wrong and work on it. You know that it's 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 a thing you go to work on. It's not something you go and say I mean it is nice every now and again. I have had therapy sessions where you know you know there are a, a fair amount of times where I'll talk about a situation and It's about reinforcing you, you did the right decision. So obviously there's that aspect of it. But I'm talking about the main reason you should go is that you find out what you're consistently doing wrong in terms of your, in terms of your own life or whatever or decisions you make and not making that mistake again. So going in with the attitude of, oh, I went there and she just said I was an amazing person and I just, I never do anything wrong. That tells you that it's the person's attitude that's at fault there. So that's why I'm a huge aggregate of therapy because it led to me going back to, to go back to the story, is to go, it led me to look back at certain aspects of my life and all my memories from like under 10 onwards were all mood, mood changes, like, you know, going from like a very happy situation to getting very angry, you know, very quickly, like almost flippantly. So that obviously showed you know the signposting of you know it sort of building and building and building and it obviously you know started to get worse once i hit my teenage years and it was only every so often when i was younger and so it obviously kept developing uh you know so that's obviously a problem and as i say like i touched on earlier which i'm going to make sure i keep coming back to so when i said like social factors environmental factors so let's let me explain that uh, for those that might be in. Might unsure about this. So social factors is is essentially the people you are brought up with, like your parents and everything else. And and in my aspect, that did have a contributing factor. And environmental is essentially obviously like where you're born and where you grew up, where you grew up in. Um, and then obviously, and then again, like the biological sense is: have you got a genetic uh, long-term history of mental illness in your family? And one of the things I checked once I was aware I had a problem is I asked my parents and I found out that there's been plenty of examples in my uh, extended family's history of mental he- health issues, some of which they didn't treat, which is bad, which is why, you know, have to doing this type of podcast and, and, and writing about it like I do every now and again and, and everyone who, you know, some of the amazing people in in the internet verse who who do is that that's why it's important to bring up because it is much more harmful to not deal with it for again like i touched on earlier about the decision i have about whether to have a biological child that's a huge huge decision um and it it, it is made harder by the fact of if you're somebody who doesn't deal with your mental health issue like my dad um who who didn't for the most part and just does the whole step up our lift. I'm fine. I don't need any help. That's worse. It's yeah, that puts that's worse for everybody. Um so that's 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 a great example of where if if people have the attitude of there should be people with mental health that has more responsibility. That's the responsibility where I'm where I'm a hundred percent in agreement with them. But there's a difference between that and then looking at someone with mental health and going, I'm going to treat everybody like that the same. I'm going to assume that none of them try. That's the thing I have a huge huge problem with. And as I tell my story, like hopefully the the conclusion people will have is that I tried everything of course i I fucked up several times because i was ill but um but for the most part i did everything i possibly could to get the help that i desperately needed at the time so so yeah so um so in terms of my situation so um so as i say it started to get more poignant towards school time and the example i always give is that i was in a history class uh uh, something around about I think fourteen ish, maybe 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 fifteen, and I was just crying all the time, and I became sort of a social outcast because I couldn't deal with my mood mood swings. Um, I was being you know not very nice to the people around me, so my solution was to just not be around people because I was just being I was just being horrible um, because I couldn't, and it wasn't like I wasn't deciding to be horrible. It was just. I was not. I was. I was essentially doing like what a teenager does. He's not aware of what they're going through. I mean, it's hard enough being a teenager. Is that um, I just, I just couldn't handle the 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 amount of emotions I was feeling. So my solution was to just leave people alone because I didn't want to be the person who was horrible. Um, because I tried very hard not to be. So I ended up having to leave a history class because I was just not able to hide the fact that i wasn't struggling to cope so the solution i so i had a really really big decision to make at that time it was do i do i um i guess quit which is horrible to say but that is an option or do i you know take this a step further because everything i'm trying to do is not working i'm getting i'm feeling worse and worse and worse over time or do i go and tell someone that i feel i can trust to to point me in the right direction and, and get more help because I, I I I'm basically admitting defeat and luckily I did you know both in the sense of I'm admitting defeat but I'm doing the second option as well as I'm going to try and see if I can get more help which was a really bold decision I can tell you looking back is you know sort of looking back at fifteen year old me that was a a really bold decision and I'm you know I'm, I guess I'm sort of proud of myself that. I did make that decision because I could have easily not. Um so yeah, so I went to so this is why I'm a huge advocate and I, and again it it this is again a difficult thing to breach the subject on but it's something I, I I'm aware of and I'm and this is a good example of where it's really effective is I went to my form tutor as in my 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 teacher who my, my class teacher and because i trusted her and this is one of the problems i think is with you know you hear you get stories in the media about teachers abusing that power which has led to teachers who have who want a a, you know a a a healthy relationship with their students and i feel that 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 type of relationship i had with my teacher which was completely you know or you know natural and and beneficial to to my education that's being lost because people are so afraid of they've sort of made tar teachers with the same brush of that they're all potential paedophiles and like that's not that surely is not the case so i think we've got to be very careful with tar and everyone with the same brush because there's just been examples of where certain people obviously abuse that power which obviously which i'm not for one second condoning and saying of course we should do everything we can to stop it, but I don't think inhibiting every teacher from doing their job um, is, is a good idea, but that's obviously a, a much more wider thing for another day, but... But it's it's a valid point in this case. So so yeah. I, so so in my case, I trusted her enough to go and to talk to her about that situ about my situation. So I just said to oh, her, "I am depressed." I well, I didn't actually say the word depressed because I didn't even know what depression was at the time, which kind of tells you that we should be teaching mental health way sooner than we do. Um, that's another thing that we're very um, I'm very um you know campaigning to 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 happen which um i'm pleased to to hear that this has been discussed this is getting discussed to, to some extent um so so yeah so i um i said like i am miserable i am crying all the time i don't see anybody i haven't got an appetite i spend my time in my room at home i don't speak to anybody i just don't enjoy life anymore and um and when she said, "Like, how long has this been going on?" and I was like, "Oh, a few months," but you know, I've always felt like this, and that was the key sentence where I said, "I've always felt like this," and she's like, "That's not normal." I mean, have feeling that for three months is not normal, but also I, I added the bit of, "I've always in some way felt this way," which kind of let her know that it's something I'm hugely struggled with that I'm I've not dealt with because I'm not aware that it's a thing. Uh, again which is why a great example of where we you know you should teach kids what it is early enough that they know so the signs essentially so she did a really really noble humane thing in the sh- the next break we had she like okayed it with her boss and she was just like i this this child needs to go to get treatment like now um and he needs to be you know he needs to just get an appointment so she took me uh, which again shows you that this wouldn't be possible yeah i don't think in today's age i think if if you found out a teacher did that even though like, if i was a parent i would be grateful um is that um the teacher uh, i got in we got in her car and she drove me to the nearest um uh, gps uh gp where my gp was which happened to be not very far um because i told her what my family GP was and so then i got an emergency appointment i saw my GP, um, and he gave me antidepressants and and uh, basically i saw him for a few weeks after that um consistently and it was the beginning of me dealing with it through medication and various other things so I essentially got diagnosed at that point, some kind of depression, and then once I got some therapy sessions and stuff like that, it was basically diagnosed as having severe depression. Um, so the reason this is important is because, obviously this is the beginnings of bipolar disorder, which I wasn't aware of at the time, or oh, it could have been severe depression that leads to bipolar disorder, I should make sure I say that. But who cares, because that's kind of the, the start of it. So I've had problems academically which is the reason that it's affected my life so hugely not just in my personal life because not a lot of people are aware that that i got special dis and exp- a special exception to do exams two weeks after everybody for my a-levels um and for gcse's because i struggled and like my friends were all like why weren't you in the exam today i went oh i just did it separately and they just were not sure they couldn't understand why and in terms of university I um I I got I got given um I needed to hit, I think it was either some either two A's and a B or two two I don't know it was an A and two I think it was an A and two Bs if I if if my memory serves me correctly to get into university to do the the course I wanted and I got an A and a B and and I was I was supposed to get a B for my and I, I actually got four A levels just to be clear. And uh, I, my last exam, I think I got whatever. I can't quite remember my, my but but basically my point. The point is to simplify this because otherwise I'd be going. I'd be, I'd be wanting to get this right, but it's, it's irrelevant to the story. So basically, it was I had to hit a B in my last exam for I think it was English language or something or English literature, and because of how I was feeling and how difficult of what I was going through at the time. I really screwed up and got a D or a C, maybe maybe a low C, something like that. And so basically, I was devastated because I was like, "Oh crap, I'm not going to get to university." And you know, the first thing you think is it's your fault, but obviously, I was struggling um, with my mental health. So um, I told the university, and they were they were be they were told this. And like I say to this day, my high school and my college were brilliant, and I can't thank them enough for for, for for helping me they were they were incredibly nice, so they basically um uh so and I, I so they emailed the university and as well as I did go and i I know I tried my best but i I got one grade less, and they just went, ah oh, don't worry about it, and we'll we'll let you in so I got a, uh, on a medical exception so so yeah, I got into university technically when I shouldn't uh in a sense of I didn't get the the average grades I was supposed to, but it, that kind of shows. And this is something I'm I always always bring up is that uni- once you get to universities, there's like obviously because being a, a university, uh, being a student is difficult enough. Is that there's there's dedicated uh, areas of the university where you can go for your mental health and where you can talk to people and you can you know like I I got help with my dyslexia when I was at university. Um, it's it's really really respected and tr- uh, and treated with respect, and it leads you to think why isn't it like that earlier? Because you know you, you know in terms of my situation, I was having symptoms in my early teenage years, and so that should be something where we should at least be aware that it's happening and deal with it and deal with it appropriately. So. That kind of is obviously a problem. So, so yeah, so it's affected my life just on that level. And then I had a severe breakdown first year of university where that was the first time I'd went. It was like right at a hospital. I never stayed there. It was just like an overnight thing um, in terms of I spoke to some doctors that were there. And that was the first time. If, if I've got anything to be responsible for... Is that I actually sat in a room. It was almost like being in an episode of CSI. There was a mirror and two chairs, and I know I'm being jokey about this. It's obviously a big deal at the time, but I can, I can look back at it and I'm okay with it now. And I sat with a bunch, with a couple of 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 doctors in white coats. It was like, like, I guess, as stereotypical as you can get. And um, I, for the first time, told the truth. And said, you know, I have these unbearable, you know, emotional swings that I can't control and, uh, it, it frightens the life out of me and I can't, um, handle them and I, I feel like I'm sort of off the rails and so my only way of dealing with it is to just leave people alone because I don't wanna, I don't wanna upset people, I don't wanna scream at people, um, and actually, uh, which is, sad to say is that i actually during the time i got diagnosed with severe depression i actually had the courage to tell my mom and her reaction was not good it was all it was like the what are you doing to me how can you do this to me i can't believe you're going through it and in fairness to her that sounds like she's really horrible but to give her credit is she's a lot more understanding now because she understands that more i guess that was just the reaction of like oh my god and it and i found out that when she first went out with my dad um he was very depressed um and i guess it kind of brought back some memories for us and maybe that's what the reaction but still not the reaction you want from your parent when you, you you've been really struggling to cope with life and your parent goes like sort of says you're you're a disgrace basically um so so that's an example of an environment like a sort of an environmental slash social factor in the in terms of the support I got from the people around me um they didn't the, because of the lack of understanding, people do not know how to handle people people like me um, so that was difficult in the sense of the and also like I say in terms of the um social factor, my parents divorcing and you know using me as a negotiation tool is very difficult you know because they weren't speaking so they were almost using me to talk to each other to talk to get their divorce done and they handled it appallingly and they never made sure i was okay um which i always sort of resent them for to to an extent um i I think they they really didn't sort of look after their children which i think should be the first port of call for a parent um so yeah so that's an, a good example of what can exasperate the the symptoms to begin with and, and and obviously like i say um the most important aspect is when i was growing up and you know my if you ever speak to my sister and i you know can give a spoiler and that um i'm going to try and get my sister on the podcast cuz i think it would be interesting she's a very interesting person she said she said for years whenever i have had conversations with her about this is that she argues that my our parents should have divorced before they had me um that they were never they were happy they were not happy a lot sooner now obviously that's an object uh, that's a a a subjective viewpoint and that you know my mom might not say that but um yeah my sister said they weren't happy but my point is as as long as i can remember i never really felt that they were ever really happy um uh, and my sister said, for the few years you were born, that that kind of changed because they focused on you, but they stopped focusing on each other. Um, so in a sense, it was like a you know a, a, a double-edged sword uh, when I came into the world, uh, which a lot of people would say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 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 in seri- but also so yeah. So there are there are a lot of of factors that go into you know and it but my point is it usually starts it so you can either get a disorder in a genetic sense and it just develops over time and the factors don't help and make it worse or you can have you can get depressed because of life and it can lead to a disorder because you've had it too you've had your depression so long that it morphs into something else um, because I think people fail to realise, in a biological sense, your brain is a sponge. So, it, and it, it is about it's it's almost it it, it deals with repetition. So, if you're off someone that's depressed all the time and you're and 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 you're not feeling any different. Um, in terms of your life, then your brain just responds to what you're going through. So you know, if so, if you're depressed for a long period of time, then it becomes almost the norm for your brain. It's like, okay, we're going to be a depressed person. Like, um, so that's why you know, like I say, if you're somebody who's aware you got a mental health issue and are not trying, I'm not saying like you know, try trying and fail failing to deal with your mental health issue. I, you know, that's not for anyone to you know, be judged judgmental over because you're trying and you should be admired for that. So I'm not saying that whatsoever because I've tried and failed hundreds of times to find a solution to what I'm going through. So it's not that, it's just the the, the responsibility aspect that that the people the society attacks mental health people for is only on the grounds of whether you're trying. Um and so I guess to to tell my story real quickly I was someone who, I've, I would like, to, I would say I definitely didn't try as a teenager in the sense of try in a positive sense to deal with it. But I give myself a pass and I don't beat myself up about it because I didn't know what I had. So how can you deal with something you don't know? It was only when I got eventually diagnosed with having bipolar disorder that I can honestly say to people, and I, I, you know, I guess hand on heart say this, that my life changed in the sense of I then started to learn techniques to do with bipolar disorder and started to see drastically different, um, you know, an effect uh, 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 by, by, this is why I think this, when that doctor said about diagnosis, I think he was just being silly. Um, so yes, because, uh, for a, a decent period of time, I was doing stuff to deal with depression, whereas depression is a byproduct of bipolar disorder, not the cause. So, you know, I was doing CBT, I was taking antidepressants, but it isn't the, it, it doesn't deal with the bipolar disorder. That obviously takes various different techniques, and obviously, like uh, it's more DBT, which is uh, to do with more I mean, the emotional side of therapy. So it's to deal with specifically mood disorders, where CBT is to deal with just being down all the time. Which, like I said earlier, with bipolar disorder, is not the case. So, so yeah. So, uh, in terms of what this whole podcast is about, in terms of reflection and talking about bipolar disorder in a more open sense is that um, over the last 10 days or so, when my friend told me it's been two years since I've been in hospital, it got me to reflect about my position in the world and how much it's affected me and how much it's screwed my life up. And if you listen to the last Marty and Fran episode, uh, which I was really happy with, because I was sort of struggling, and I admitted that at the beginning of the podcast, is that... Um, it, may, you, you know, when you talk to Fran, who also had bipolar disorder in that episode, and how, you know, she lost the whole social circle over her illness, um, you know. it it, it ends up in a situation where you get people who go who are you to decide that you are a person worth knowing you know are you big-headed person to say that even with your mental health you think you're a good human being and better than me um and deserve to be given a chance and i just think you know anyone who has that attitude is that that to me says that they're more big-headed than i am because all i'm asking for is a chance and an understanding of the, um I am not like you. And I think that is the, the hugest point I can make in this podcast. Is unfortunately, a lot of people respond to mental health, in particular when it gets to really serious, like, life-threatening level. Is that they want to compare it to themselves. And I think the massive misconception comes from someone with like a mild depression who is depress like has a depression that again has a social aspect to it like say you've broken up with your long term partner or you've lost a job and you're unemployed and that stress has led you to be depressed that is a legitimate reason to be depressed and so you know that's your body responding in an appropriate manner like you know you you have a right to be you almost have a right to be depressed at that time the reason it's a problem for someone like me with a depression that affects them a lot more, it's not social, it's biological, like genetic, is that it affects me regardless of what I'm going through, you know, so I can have the greatest day I've ever wanted and eat the best, eat my favourite food and watch my favourite film and see and see my friends that I adore and love. Um, and it wouldn't it, it, and i would still to some level feel like i want to just end my life and just not want to live it anymore and, and by definition that sounds completely crazy and difficult for people to comprehend but the way i try to explain it to people as best i can is to say it's all about like um, a, a disorder in your brain is essentially a chemical imbalance so I'm getting a particular chemical in my brain that is that is it's it, I'm being forced into thinking that. And if people think you're in you're in control of what you think, are sadly mistaken because I always say to people, think about on an average day about stuff you think about that you don't want to. It is probably quite a lot. You know, so so imagine like you think about I don't know an ex girlfriend or an ex boyfriend, and you just you for some reason your brain you're thinking that, and you you didn't you didn't make your brain do that. Your brain just decided to say we're gonna think about this. That that is a great example of exactly the problem people like me have. Is the imagine that, but imagine it in a in a much more overwhelming can't control way because when you start thinking about like say an ex-boyfriend and ex-girlfriend you eventually once you're aware you're thinking it is you kind of snap out of it and go i'm not going to think about that and you kind of will your brain to and you and i guess this goes to willpower which is another problem so you just kind of like will yourself to go okay i'm not going to think about that and i'm going to try and do stuff that makes me think more positively and and, and it's more enjoyable and that kind of thing with with a disorder or, an Ill, or a mental health issue, it is a lot lot harder, and sometimes it defeating. So, so I could, you know, do everything that usually sort of works on an any given day, and I can have a day where you know it's not gonna, it isn't working, and the only thing I can do is to stare at a brick wall until it passes, or lie in my bed and and have horrible horrible thoughts but at least if I'm lying in my bed I'm not near a bridge where I can think about jumping off or something um or I'm not in my kitchen where I can think about you know using a knife or something which is again horrible to say and I, I don't mean to put many people feel uncomfortable well actually maybe I do because it kind of I'm kind of being you know as I usually am on this show like brut- brutally honest um that's the level it can reach so, when I say about people comparing it, like, for example, when I ended up in psychotic hospital, one of the things that some of my friends were saying was, the one particular take on a friend that I always bring up, not, no longer a friend, obviously, but um, she came to the hospital and said, you know, I know what it's like to be in bed for a couple of days feeling miserable. And when I tell you, in context, that um, this was in I think round about October, because I was in hospital from um, the 10th, something like the 4th, 5th, or something like, the round about the 5th of September, so I think it was about a month into me being in hospital, and this friend came to me and said that, and when I tell you that I had felt steadily worse from January onwards that year, and had kept working when I probably shouldn't have done, because you do the whole... I'm just going to keep working. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to be one of these people that like says, "Look at me," and I tried to to get over it, and it led to um, it. It led to me have like so. If I have any responsibility, is what I just said. In that I should be. I was aware that I was going through it, but I dealt with it the wrong way, and that I tried to work and get power through it. But again, that's the pressure of society. They go, you can't claim you're unwell. You can't, because they're like, oh, you're just, you know, you're, you're a freeloader and you're not working hard enough and you're not trying hard enough. And yeah, I tried for a good six months of, of sort of feeling that I wasn't quite right and needed a break. And I kept working. And then I guess it just reached the point where I was like, I couldn't do this anymore. Because I walked into a youth working class, youth work a class, and I just basically felt I didn't care what, I didn't care about anything. And that was obviously a bad situation to be in when you're responsible for other people. So I rang up my p- people I worked for and said, um, I don't think I should be here. Can you get someone to replace me? And I need to stop working because I'm not well. So so you can argue I, that would... So my point is, you can argue, I was struggling on like worse and worse for about nine months in the build-up to that. And so for this person to say, I know what it's like having a couple of days off, it's the most naive pathetic stupid fuck of a of a statement to make, and the horrible thing that you put in is when someone like her says that and I tried with with all the energy spent on trying to fight this thing is to have the willpower and the energy to say to her you are completely wrong because nobody wants because the the thing that people doesn't want to say and i I never say this because just to be clear I'm an advocate for people to be treated whether they've got mild depression whether they've got postnatal depression whatever it may be because I'm not claiming to have an illness that is more difficult to deal with on a daily basis because that is impossible to know but my point is there is a difference between that and a difference between uh, the situation becoming life threatening and dangerous and there is no comparison between someone like me who signed a paper the month prior to that saying I'm no longer a citizen and I can't walk out the door and I'm fighting for my life because I was my body was breaking down because of the amount of medication I was taking and obviously I was extremely suicidal because who would want to be in a life where you know you no longer have a life uh, and that's something no one ever brings up and so you have to have the energy to fight the stereoty- the stigma and discrimination you, you, you're feeling from the people you love and trying to get back to the very society that are, that are, um, that are you know, impeaching you. And so I was try- I, you try with all your will to say to that particular person, it is not the same. And it's because there are certain people who don't like the idea of you saying that what they went through is less than what you did. Which tells you that they have a bigger ego about themselves than you do, because I'm not for one second claiming that I deserve to have more treatment or more understanding than than the other than another person with my problem or with, like I say, mild depression, postnatal depression. I went to get an assessment to basically talk about my um, bipolar disorder a, a few weeks ago, and there was people in there who i basically was like observing the room because i like observing human beings it's fun and i was saying like it was a woman who had a a, her daughter there and it it seemed obvious to me because of reading a lot about other illnesses is that she clearly had what because the the daughter looked very young that she had postnatal depression because she just couldn't it's like she obviously had like a mom or a sister or something with her because her sister was dealing with the kid and she was just like really struggling she was like you know getting extremely emotional having to deal with her kid and so it seemed obvious to me and so i would never in a million years go what are you doing here because it's not as uh, it's not as a big a deal as is is what i'm going through because i just think that's jackass horrible and i deserve all the criticism i get yet... Someone who hasn't got a mental health problem that says that to a mental health person walks around society with the attitude of that they that they're doing us a favour by saying that by going look you know I, I, like and also it leads to the very difficult conversation of they are implying that they're more stronger willed than I am and yet as a lot of people in my position say and you just need to actually like have a more open mind and read the research is it is never about being, it's never about willpower, in that I I think if I'm going to argue anything that I have, I actually think I have a greater willpower than than anyone I know, because if it it was about willpower, I would have gave up years ago, because, you know, if you get given a a circumstance where you're basically being told your life is going to be difficult, your entire life, because you're gonna, you have a thing that you're gonna have to deal with every day. That's an overwhelming thing to to be told, and also to be told that it can lead to people, you know, to to people not wanting to live anymore. It's a very dangerous illness. So so for someone to go, oh, you're just not trying hard enough, and it's like you know you need to have more will to beat this. You know, the, if if there's any argument to be made about willpower, it's that I probably have more in my little finger than any of them do. Uh, and, and if you're going to make any compa- com- comparison, um, it's never a question about willpower. It's about the, because you reach a point where, like I say, I reached a point where I stopped working because it was too difficult to, and I needed to have a time off. And then I got given a medication that was exasperating my symptoms, so I was steadily getting worse and i just didn't i i couldn't find ways of of dealing with what i was going through it just was relentless and if you lose the if you if you unfortunately reach a situation like i did where you lose a reason to keep trying and people around you are giving you more and more reasons to give up because they're quitting on you then it's it's almost like i i feel like saying no wonder i ended up feeling the way i did because it shouldn't be like that it should be you know I I, I I know there's been people who have said i'm crazy to think i have this 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 attitude of why can't it be that uh, people rally around that people who you all collectively so supposedly the the theory is right that you all have a collective amount of people around you that care about you and like you and want you to be okay why not combine their efforts and collectively get together and like reinforce that person and support them through this unbelievably difficult time and just say we're here for you you know we will here for you when you leave and all this kind of thing but that's not what happens what happens is a lot the majority of people go not my business and i there's nothing i can do which is what i said i'd talk about earlier that's always what comes up it's always what i can't do and so that leads me to talk about... Um, and I guess it's maybe one of the last things I'll say. Is that... It leads me to an example of what happened to me recently. Is that... Um, when we, we were playing Elder Scrolls... Because we play it off stream at the minute. Because that's why I've stopped streaming for a, a long period of time. Is uh, I was playing with my friends a, a video game called uh, Elder Scrolls. If you're, uh, people have played Skyrim will know what I'm on about. And yeah. So we are playing Elder Scrolls online on a Sunday. And... Uh I had a um I had a depressed episode, a manic episode, um while I was playing <laughs> which I actually wasn't aware. I, I I usually I get warning signs, which is why what I've learned over the years, which would be inter- hopefully useful for people to hear is I've learned various techniques, and obviously I'm more and more aware of like what's my illness and what's me, and and like listening to the like the teaching to yourself to be aware of the signs. So like if I do feel like I'm struggling and I'm going to have a bad day, then I deal with that by um I, I deal with it by planning accordingly. So if I wake up and I'm like, oh god, I've got no energy and I'm feeling my, my brain's just attacking me with really bad. Uh, vibes and feelings then i'm uh, then i need a plan so if i've got some plans that day then i can if it's a friend or something i will rearrange because i'm not a good person to hang around when i feel like that so you plan accordingly um so i would have obviously done that which is why they said they i guess my friend sort of said why didn't you do that which is a fair question but then when i explained the situation they understood it and look fortunately one of the friends that this happened with nose bipolar disorder, so she dealt with it in a, in a, in a, in an unbelievably kind way, and in fairness they all did, but her in particular. Um. So what happened basically is I got none of the warning signs, and then we, I reached like sort of a couple of hours of playing, and I snapped, like as in my, my, I just changed from being dealing with it okay and enjoying playing, to just getting very irritated and angry, like extremely angry. Um so I just left the the game without saying anything because it was just overwhelming and I just needed to like, you know, put a pillar over my head and let it pass, um, uh, which is horrible because usually if you're prepared for it happening, you can like sort of be prepared enough to go, right, I'm going to plan today, just be a rest day and, you know, get through the day as best I can. But the fact that it happened with people around, it, albeit on the internet that's really difficult to deal with so you don't uh, so i just did what i could it was kind of going back to like i said the about the teenage stuff where i just became a social hermit because i didn't want to hurt people i cared about so i didn't want to say something that i didn't mean so i left and it turns out that i actually made them really worried and concerned and they kept ringing my phone because one of my one of them is a friend i i know in real life Um, a good friend of mine, so she kept ringing me, so I um, just managed to text her saying I was struggling, and so, and then I just went, I basically just did whatever I could to to deal with it, and then the next day, I obviously messaged them collectively, and just said, I'm really, really sorry, I, I obviously didn't deal with it very, very well, but then I explained what happened, and they dealt with it extremely well. They were like, "Don't, no worries." It's like, and if you can in future, let us know what why you did it. And um, and I just made sure I reiterated to them it had nothing to do with them. And I think that's the key thing I want people to think about is a lot of people when you go through an illness because you get angry and frustrated and shout at people, is they they take it personally and think it's about them, uh. Ironically, leading leading to the situation being more about them than the person who's ill. Um, which in hindsight is not a good position to be in, and is not very considerate. Um, so it's and I'm not and I'm and just to, just to reiterate, I understand how difficult that is because I've learned that over time. I was talking to my mom about this, and I think that's something my mom's learned. In fairness to her is if a person says that they're struggling and, you know, you know, it's like if you're in a relationship and they just, you know, get annoyed about work and scream at you or get irritated and, you know, and get irritated for no reason is that, you know, allowing them to kind of do like to do that and then for them to kind of apologize later it's totally acceptable, people. Like it, it should be in the sense of we're human beings, and it's stressful. It life can be very, very stressful, and so although yes, of course, it's not right uh, to sort of rant to someone who who has nothing to do with them. But I'm saying it's understandable, and sort of give people the benefit of the doubt is very, very important um because you know because that actually helps them in some ways if they run about it and get it out of the system and you have the ability to go okay this isn't about me and see and then allow them to apologize after the fact if you've got people if you've got someone who does that all the time and doesn't apologize then you know you've got every right to be annoyed like that that's the key difference but um I honestly can reiterate to you whenever that happens and I'm aware that that's me it's 100% me and that's a great example of where it's my fault and I I took responsibility and and said you you're quite right I should have said something and I just said yeah I the only way only thing I can hope you understand is that I I felt like I didn't have time and I and I was just overwhelmed and I just needed to leave um but I said in future I will try and deal to that because that's a fair criticism um and i obviously dealt with it wrong so i admitted that and said i i'm sorry and i just i do care about you and it's got nothing to do with you and it isn't personal and i hope you're i hope you you know understand it and they were absolutely brilliant they all were like just, just wanted to know you're okay and you know that's fine and um and and the really really nice thing which not enough people do is as I said, and I I I love her dearly for this. Is one particular person I was with, Michelle, one of my friends. She messaged me a few days later and support and asked me if I was okay, and said she yet like cared about me and stuff, which really helped in the process. And that's I deliberately have left this to the end because I realise I've been on for about an hour and a half. Is to end the podcast by saying if you think you can't do anything then you're sorely mistaken in terms of dealing with people with mental health and people with mental health are worth bothering about and when i said at the beginning of of the podcast imagine how difficult it is for someone like me to show that i am worth bothering about while showing someone how difficult it is every day for me to deal with what i go through like how hard that is to reveal to somebody how hard that is and and, and and how much I try to not let it affect me and the people around me. It is, I, I can't reiterate how hard that is. And you, you and I reach points where I don't want to. I don't want to. I, I can't take it. It's too difficult. Um, to be blunt, but Michelle was a great example of what you can do to make things better. In that she just asked me how I am and reinforced that she cared about me. And if something happened to me, she would it would affect her and just by saying that i was on sort of the road to recovery and because basically to end that story so when i um left the 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 video game playing the video game with my friends i had a good day and a half of struggling where um i just was really in a bad place because i guess like i say because it came on me unawares um i I wasn't prepared for it, so it was a very, very difficult days for me. I I hated it, and and then, but then slowly after it sort of it, it passed, where I wasn't overwhelmed, and it like my brain had calmed down, and I I tried everything I can to, to stop it. Uh, is it led to? Um, the, then it's then it's the sort of recovery process where i just sort of take my time to 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 get there to get to a position where I, I can you know be a normal human being i guess um and she helped that recovery situation because when i was starting to feel better i was starting to feel like you know i can i can i can um you know get on with it again because that level of manic episode just to reiterate, happens to me probably one like once a month on that level it was very extreme sometimes i can have during the day ones that last like the the, mo- the most common one for me is like during the day ones that can last maybe a few hours where i just you know take a break or have a nap or meditate or something but that lasted as i say like a day and a half so very very horrible experience but that, 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 that obviously is what i have to deal with and like i said to you earlier The positive side of it, which is, I get the positive aspect of that, where I have like a day and a half, it can be a few days of just euphoria, where you feel on top of the world, which is what bipolar disorder has over, like I told you earlier about borderline personality disorder. That's the key difference, where you are like three hundred percent productive, you don't sleep for maybe seventy-two hours, and you just you you feel like you can take on the world, and that's an it's a thing you wish you could bottle up and give to people because it's the best natural drug you can feel. The downside is is that it leads to you having a massive down period after it because you know it's because you suddenly like, Oh, I want to feel like that all the time. It can have a very addictive um, aspect to it. If you read about people who talk about bipolar disorder, that's one of the massive downsides of having hypermanic episodes, but that's why it has its positives um, like that. So, so yeah, Michelle just said, I really care about you, and just hearing that from someone i wanted to care about me helped me that day you know it helped me with like you know sort of more with the, the you know like like you do with any support it makes you you know go you know it, it makes you have a a, a, a a greater outlook that day. that day and maybe a little bit more willpower and that's where support really comes into the place so this idea of Putting all the willpower on the individual is very unfair, and that's why support is so important. You know, just to have someone to say, we're rooting for you, and, and, and we what we, we want you to get better, and the idea of you not being on, in my, in my life, I, I don't want to happen. Whereas, you know, that, that's very different to what happened a lot with me, is that like 90% of my social circle went, you're not worth bothering about anymore, you know, we, we're ashamed to know you, and, you know, go fuck yourself. So how am I meant to t- how am I meant to how am I meant to take that? Um, you know and, and the, the the horrible aspect of it is they're regarded as doing the right thing. They're the ones that get to go around in their life and have this thing of like, oh, I dealt with that the right way, and aren't I, aren't I, an amazing person? And thank God I'm. I don't know the psychopath that is Stephen who who didn't try hard enough and made my life miserable. Which if they if they spend any remote time, you know, some of these people I'd known for years, and so if they balanced it with. The good times we had over the period of time I was unwell. The obvious conclusion is I was an unwell friend. So how can that be the real me? You know, was I just like a great actor who for years just didn't uh, <laughs> just didn't reveal what I was really like? That that's obvious. It's obvious if you spend any time thinking about it. But again, it goes to show that the problem people like me face. And Michelle, like I said earlier, and like what Marty and Franz Buka who they talked about on the last podcast. That is showing examples of how you can deal with people with mental health in the right way. Because, like I say, I knew people who I used to know, like with the example I gave with Elder Scrolls, is that they would have said, I can't be friends with someone like that who can't consider me and all this kind of thing. But they understood it was circumstance, and they understood that I did, I, 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 not only did... Because it can come across as selfish me just leaving the, the game and not saying anything... But I did it because I cared about them uh, and take it out on them because I was feeling an emotional response that was just not was just weird and was not relevant to what was going on. So I didn't want it to make it about them, you know, for no reason and just be make it personal, like I said earlier. So I did the the, the thing that I thought was right and then deal with it another day. I should have just said I need to go. Um, you know, that's, 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 that I totally take on board. But like I say, my, ex- my reaction and my extreme reaction to what I was going through was to just leave. Um, I, I, I didn't think, obviously think it through. But they, they forgave me for it because it's understandable, you know? So it's not like, I think a lot of the time when people have mental health issues and you're dealing with them, and Marty and Fran talk about this in that book, uh, apparently really well, and they obviously have been on the podcast talking about it. Is that That's the one thing that... You know, it's almost like... People with mental health are accused of... They're making it... They're making life difficult on purpose. And you have to ask yourself... If, if, if people are listening to this... Who aren't... Got a mental health issue... Um, I really encourage you to ask the question of... If someone with a mental... Would someone with a mental health issue... Want to have the illness to begin with? Would they really... Um, decide to make their life as miserable as it can be? The answer is no and it goes back to like I said about dating is that you know if you, if you had someone who you really liked and another person you really liked and you had to decide who to go out with and one had a mental health problem and one didn't it is understandable if discriminatory and judgmental to say I'm going to go out with a person who doesn't have the mental health problem because it's less difficult and that's a sad fact of it but i understand that's what i have to deal with so whenever you like sort of hear someone with mental health or come across someone with mental health or hopefully if it's someone you know that you you try and deal with it in the best way possible is to understand the level of difficulty that we have to deal with in order to get on the same playing field that you do without even trying you know that's that's the, that's the really really difficult aspect of mental health is that we have to try twice as hard to get to a place you already are at just by living and so i really hope people think about that whenever they hear about mental health whether it be through you know an article a story or you know or even more so more relevantly if it's someone you know and care about is that it it isn't their fault um, the only thing is their fault is if they're not willing to try, but if you're someone like me who reached a point where I wanted to give up because I did everything I possibly could and no one helped me to the level that needed to be, then i w- <laughs> it's understandable that I wanted to, that I wanted to give up because I did everything I possibly could there was there was literally no more I could have done. And I, and I, you know, I think that would be the dispute people would have is that they don't think that's true. But I swear to you, it isn't. It, 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 it is, it is true. In that, that I, 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 there is nothing more. Having spent ages, and I guess this podcast, like I say, is the two year, ref, you know, two year reflection, is that, um, you know, I, there is nothing more I could have done. So if you're someone who's sitting there thinking I could, um, I don't think you. Spent enough time, or consideration, or respect to me as a person, to to understand the situation enough to realise that that's not true. Um, and by the fact that the the, the mental health team that look after me took responsibility tells you all you need to know um, to prove it. So, and being on you know sort of sick benefit because of that, etc. Right? You know, I wouldn't be on that if it wasn't re- if it, that wasn't true. So. um so yeah uh so you know it it i hope by me doing this that i mean i've really enjoyed doing this which is surprising and i was expecting to be a lot more emotional about it but i guess um i've done my emotion behind the camera as it were like sort of dealing with reflecting on two years ago that i was in hospital and was in site Ratnick hospital and the fact that you know uh, when I talked to Marty and Fran, and Fran said about you know losing her social circle, and this is a common trend, and it's not good enough like as a society we're not doing we're not doing enough to care about our fellow human beings and like I say earlier, the thing that really worries me is we're creating a generation of people who feel entitled to get everything and feel entitled to get everything by not do not trying and not being there for another person. Um and and thinking about themselves and about the popularity and about getting likes and and all this superficial stuff that doesn't mean anything in the long form. Like you know what I, I would I would want to get to the end of my life whenever it may be and have people around me who are saddened by losing me because I made a di- a positive difference to their life. You know, not just like was there and just hung around and 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 didn't have anything meaningful like. I want to matter and I want, you know, to make a difference. And by hopefully if I have that attitude and everyone else does, we'd all be there for each other and make the world a better place and and make people with a mental health issue. You know, forget it being about me because I'm not making me a special case saying it should just be for me and nobody else. I'm talking for everybody. Um, so if we have that sort of attitude and approach and, and like I say, learning how people end up the way they are rather than why people do and blaming everybody for what they're going through just to have a little bit more compassion and affection and care in the world it would be a much much better place so i guess to to end the show is to say obviously thank you for people listening i really appreciate taking the time to listen to just someone talk for an hour and a half on their own i guess it kind of sort of proves that i can talk i'm hoping and my my future job as a lecturer which i'm doing training for uh in a couple of weeks time um i hope kind of proves prove proves it to some degree so huge thank you to listening to this and i hopefully just by me doing it it shows that i hope it makes helps you understand it more um uh realize that like hopefully i'm someone that's worth knowing uh and by definition everybody uh, with a disorder is worth knowing and just if you ask them the question of are they trying enough and doing enough and are they trying to get their help and they're 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 they're, they're doing stuff every day to help with their condition there's that that's all you can ask of them and then in terms of supporting them and stuff support them you know i would like i hope and that's the thing that i struggle with is that i am someone that's worth knowing regardless of that and as i said earlier it doesn't i i don't like talking about it a lot because it almost sounds like it defines me but you know me i hope me being funny considerate caring um grateful um you know all these all these other good you know um you know uh, traits that I think I have do aren't dismissed because of the mental health aspect of it. Because like I touched on throughout this, bipolar disorder has its positive stuff. Like you know, you learn to you learn to be more open minded. You know, you learn to be more considerate, and it forces you to be a better person because every day you try and do better than you did yet the day before by going right. What am I going to do today to help me through my 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 illness and. So in that sense, you can apply that to other aspects of your life. So that's good. Like I say, in the natural unnatural highs, which um you know are nice when you go through them. So yeah, so I hope this helps some people. I hope um it was worth doing. Um I certainly feel like it was. I really enjoyed doing it. So um obviously subscribe to this if you're on iTunes and let people know about it. In terms of upcoming episodes, after this one, we did one with Grumble and Games uh with Henry. Um so, uh, who does a bunch of games like Cornish Smuggler and a new game which I'm really excited about, which is about where you rob a bank uh, with your friends in a board game, which sounds brilliant. Um, so I'm going to talk to him about that new game as well as uh, Gary Pollard returns, like I, I just mentioned. Uh, I did a podcast with him. Uh, uh, I've got well, I've got one coming up with him. Um, and then um, in terms of other ones, we're going to do a hosted one. Um. We've also um, got the guys from Dark Souls Three with Steam Forge Games coming up. Um, as, I, as I gave a spoiler to earlier, my sister's going to be on this at some point in the future, probably around my birthday. would make sense. Um, I also have uh, David Kingsbury, who is um, involved in um, films. I think he like, does like stunt performing and stuff. Um, he sent me an email about declaring and being interested so um, we're going to talk to him about that also got the Engage podcast guys uh, uh, potentially uh, um, they emailed me about doing a blog for them so hopefully I'll get them to come back on maybe talk about some new Star Trek stuff that's coming out and also the Star Trek film that just came out recently Um, so yeah um, obviously uh, obviously just check out um, our Twitter mainly where I'll mention uh, I mention that there more than anywhere else um, which is at geek underscore apocalypse, um, and obviously you can check out the website geekpocalypse And obviously, just as I say, if you're on if you're not on iTunes, and you uh, please do consider going on iTunes and typing us in. You'll find us by Geek Apocalypse, and just subscribe to us because that really does help. And obviously, the most important thing: let people know about it. And I would really appreciate it. Okay, thank you just so much for the understanding and uh, curiosity and interest and respect to listen to this all the way to the end, uh, or even just click on it and listen to bits of it. I don't mind. Uh, so, huge thank you, guys. Uh, I'll end the podcast like I always end with the words of the great B-Movie, Robot Josh Crash and Burn. I will see you very soon for a regular, with a guest, not like this, for, this is a one-off, so with a guest and stuff for another edition of the Geek Portless podcast. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye.